Episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, and hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, NC Scout. And I am back on the air, coming at you live today with an awesome guest, a great and close personal friend of mine. You all know him as the author of the bestseller series, Going Home. Mr. Angry American, Chris Weatherman. What's up, brother? Not much, brother. How you doing today? Doing, man. I'm doing. I'm doing. Me too. I'm getting stuff done. It's uh, raining a little bit on us and uh, getting a whole lot knocked out, but life's good, man. How's things on your end? It's wanting to rain here today. I'm, I'm, try, I'm working on the next book and um, just got detoured. I, I was... I was not going to do Sage this this round, but it looks like I got voluntold yesterday that I'm doing Sage this round, so I got to fit that two weeks into the schedule that I didn't have time for, but I'm going to do it anyway, so. It's a good time, though. It, oh, I love doing it. It's yeah, fun. Robin Sage is a good experience, and contrary to alternative media belief, uh, I don't believe that you or I were ever trained to take the guns from American Patriots. Uh, man, some of the tweets and, and, and stuff you see <laughs> whenever it's posted that they're training Green Berets to fight Americans and all this stuff. And I, I just laugh. I mean, I hee-haw laugh at, at the ludicrousy of that. If, if people just understood what it was, did a, did a, you know, about 90 seconds of research. <laughs> That's all it would take to figure it out, you know. Well, you know, it, it just... It's talking points, man. The the alternative media is just as guilty of it more often than not as as anybody else, I guess. You know, it, it's for no better or worse. But it does give me a chuckle from time to time. I mean, I like Alex Jones as much as the next guy, uh, but you know, some it's like everything, man. Take take it all with a grain of salt. You know, yeah. take it all with a grain of salt. But this this Ukraine deal i wrote a piece uh, a couple days ago talking about um you know the the bigger picture what i see coming down the pipe uh as far as the, the breakdown it, it's really shocking to me how many pundits have willfully got it wrong you know on both sides of the aisle conservative or or left it, it really doesn't matter they they you know they, they're all seeming to get it wrong um and they're just really not seeing the big picture. You know, right now, economically, we've got stuff that, that's coming out. Uh, India has pretty much backed away from the U.S. dollar, which was 
Yeah. Uh, for some of us, I know for you and I, that really wasn't that shocking of a move because we, you know, we, we've been talking about it in the past. I know you and I have had that conversation. Uh, yep. We've done podcasts on it in the past where we were talking about Modi and uh, India kind of being the sleeping giant in all of this is coming out of nowhere. And bam, here it is that, that they are playing a, a big role and that's a big signal to the rest of the world of course earlier today today was the day it was zero hour for the russians to begin accepting payment uh for their oil in either rubles or gold which is a huge move that you know because the, the Trump card, for anybody that doesn't understand how world economics work or why the dollar is the world reserve currency, other countries, all other countries in the world have to buy U.S. dollars from the Federal Reserve to be able to buy oil. So when we put sanctions on a country, what that, why that's such a big deal is we limit their ability to buy U.S. dollars, which in turn limits their ability to buy fuel. And this has been something that's really been a longstanding, uh, ironically, this has been a longstanding point that the, the international left has made against conservatism across the world and nationalism across the world. However, there's been a lot of nationalists across the world that have, have pointed out the, the duplicity of this same issue. So Russia has kind of figured out a way around. Saudi Arabia is talking to China in terms of now beginning to trade oil in the yuan yep. rather than the U.S. dollar. This is really going sideways in a hurry. And that, that's kind of breaking down the, the world situation. India, which is, uh, you know, got 1.2 billion people in the world, they're one of the, the world's largest economies, is now ponying up to the Russians. And if you don't think that's going to have a major impact on us here at home, uh, it already is. Biden well, this, is releasing. Yeah, this, was, this was laid out years ago when the BRICS, when, when the BRICS first got together and everybody's like, oh, what are they going to do? You know, that they still got to have the dollar. Well, they're, they're clearly demonstrating they do not have to have the dollar. Um, you know, and, and Russia's offering India oil at 35 a barrel right now. $35. Trying to move it. Which is crazy. And, yeah. and they're going to move it. They'll move every bit of it. They'll well, move every bit of it. Yep. I, I read a tweet yesterday that the Russian oil tankers are now turning the transponders off when they leave port. Just disappeared. Ooh. So you can't track them. Now I haven't seen that, but yeah. man, that is that is a significant move right there. Yeah, go to go to any of the ship trackers sites or or get on. You know, I know you're not Twitter and all that stuff. You know, I, I use it for for a lot mainly for OSINT, but uh, oh, yeah. but but they definitely are turning transponders off on on uh, Russian tankers right now. Uh, once they get out of port a little bit, they shut them down, so you don't know where the hell they're going. You know, that oil's ending up in Iran and China and India and. Probably Malaysia and anywhere else that they can send it to. And at $35 a barrel, there's no lack of customers. Right. Right. I, I think the Saudis are a little spooked by that, too, uh, because just this morning, and you're probably tracking this already, but just this morning, they wanted a formal, they've sought a formal uh, defense pact with the United States because the Houthi rebels have gained serious foothold despite all of the efforts of our intelligence agency uh, waging a 
mm, let's say, kind of a duplicitous, quasi-legal war in Yemen. The Houthis are still gaining ground there, and the Saudis are pretty spooked. So I think that the culmination of these two things, the Russians are firmly in the back pocket of the Iranians as well. So we're, we're seeing the formation of a, a big power play that's, that's going to shake the, the world order of things. Yemen will be the next Ukraine. Right now, it's, it's not front and center on the world stage. Not a lot of people pay attention to it. I've been watching that conflict for, for as long as it's been going, just about. And what always amazes me on it is we arm the Saudis, and they've got the most advanced weaponry on the face of the planet. And they just routinely, I mean, routinely get their asses handed to them by a bunch of flip-flop wearing dudes in sport coats, toting AKs, you know. I mean, I don't know what it is with the sport coat with the Houthis, but they all wear one. And uh, and they're just tearing tearing the Saudis apart. I mean, every every time they, they meet on the battlefield, it looks like the Saudis lose. And and the Saudis or the, the, the Houthis are a lot like the Ukrainians in that they'll come up to abandoned Saudi armor you know, APCs, Humvees, that kind of stuff. And they just burn them. They don't even take them. They just burn the damn things. Right. You know, and that, I think that fight's going to evolve into the next, like, Ukrainian sort of issue. You know, it'll be the next one to the left. They'll probably be running uh, Yemenese flags on their profiles instead of Ukrainian flags as soon as the shiny wears uh, this one. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know about that one because the, the Houthis – they might be putting up Saudi flags because uh, the, the Houthis have, have been the enemy of the CIA for a long time now. Um, you know, and, and the whole reason they're putting up the, the liberals and non-player characters uh, out there uh, that <laughs> inhabit any university town that, that are supporting yeah. the current thing. The whole reason that they're doing that is because, you know, the, the CIA, Operation Mockingbird, the, the you know, um, all the usual outlets are telling them that that's what they need to be doing, right? They, they've got the algorithms all set on the social media channels, and that's just the way that it goes, and you have to be supporting the current thing. Um, the Houthi rebels are not going to be the current thing, although it's going to be a similar situation to Ukraine, but in reverse. Well, here's, here's why I said that, though, because the, because the left – they, they always favor in their minds. They think they're always fighting for the for the oppressed and the underdog. And they're going to look at the, the Houthis as being oppressed with Saudi Arabia and being the victims of this. That's why I say that. Not because they have a, a, an inkling of what the conflict is actually about or what's going on or even where it's being fought. They won't even know that. They're just going to. Yeah. Because the Houthis are running a fairly good um, social media platform. Like, you know, everybody knows fourth dimension now. Or here we are. And, yep. and they do a pretty good job of it. Um, and all you got to do is, is show dead babies, children, women, you know, after a bombing. And whoever did that's automatically the bad guy, you know. So, right. which didn't work so well against us in Iraq and Afghanistan. But we did try to mitigate damage. It still occurred. But we attempted. Russia can't play that card. And when you when you hear some no. of the statements coming out of them about their their operations going smoothly with the full and absolute backing of the Ukrainian people. <laughs> it just, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's like listening right. to Khrushchev talk, man. It's just like, what fantasy land is this guy in? <laughs> it, well, it, right. It, it's it's propaganda on their part. Um, you know, it, and that but that that's the world they came up in. You know, oh, that, yeah. that's the world that they came up in. It's the world they know. And, and uh, you know, to be fair, 
that's really what the that, that part of the world it, that that's that's their thing. Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit, what I was talking about in the last episode with Joe Dolio kind of turning an eye to, to South America, uh, at least in my assessment, I think that the Russians' next move, their big move on the world stage, because what we're seeing unfold now, probably into next week, this is all stuff that they've planned. But when that Iskander battery gets unveiled in Cuba, yeah, that and and that's going to trigger the next Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, yep. Cuban Missile Crisis 2.0. But we don't have the leadership of of the Kennedys and the McNamara's and you know we, the 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 generation behind it that that just came off of uh you know a, a decade and a half prior World War II you know and returned to the workplace and made up the American society that we had in that time in 1962 we don't have that anymore we no. we don't have that 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 national pride anymore the the left has really beat that out of us so how do you think we would respond to uh, you know you be down in Florida this is i mean Iskander missiles have, uh, since we backed out of the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty with Russia, and that happened under Trump, I think that was probably the greatest mistake Trump made as president was allowing that to expire. I'm very critical of that, that because, you you know, now we can put nuclear weapons, compartmentalized, small nuclear weapons in the warhead of a, a intermediate range missile, meaning that it gets into your OODA loop, it gets into your ability to react. Uh, OODA is uh, observe, orient, decide, act. And now we don't have that reactionary gap. That was the whole point behind the Cuban Missile Crisis to begin with. Um, When it happened in 1962, if that happened now, you know, you're right down there on the tip of the spear of that. I am as well, you know, here in North Carolina, pretty much anybody uh, up and down the East Coast is in a lot of trouble because those Iskanders can fly up to a thousand kilometers. Yeah. Uh, and now that you know, we know Russia has already fielded uh, and and operationalized their hypersonic missile system. We saw that uh, day before yesterday. Yep. Uh, it's breaking. There's video footage that was up on the Guardian. I put that up uh, on AmericanPartisan.org for anybody that wants to go check that out. Um, you know, it, it's just standard cruise missile damage. But if they field those in Cuba, what are we going to do about it? Well, he, here's the interesting, the, my, the way I look at this, and I'm not, I'm not defending Russia or nothing when I say this. Putin said the same thing. Don't, you know, one of the things was, you know, no NATO admission for, for Ukraine, but also no regional weapons stationed in Ukraine. In Ukraine. That was one of his big things was don't let them in NATO and, and no foreign troops and, and, and no regional weapons platforms in, in Ukraine. And he was told, right. who are you to tell another country what they can and can't do? And, and as soon as I heard that, before, the, before this all really kicked off, I was like, did everybody forget about 1962 that, that when we told that to the Russians? Like, you're not putting those here? So Putin's not a dumb guy. And when, when, when Biden comes out drooling at the microphone and mumbles whatever he's going to mumble about it, He's going to be able to say, I told you the same thing about Ukraine. That's all I wanted. And now, and you told me, no, I don't have the right to do that. But now you're telling me you have the right to tell me I can't do it here. I mean, thank you for that. And that's what people, I think, miss, that they're not seeing that. 
we've lost any credibility we had internationally. The United States, is, we, we, we've abandoned every partner that we've ever, ever came to the rescue of. Um, we've destroyed their countries in most cases. Um, we're all about regime change. When we say regime change, you know, that's a bad thing. No, no, you can't do that. Um, but we're the ones that instigated everywhere. In 2014, we started the Ukrainian crisis. You know, right. pure and simple. We did it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to me to see what what kind of moral high ground they try to claim to say that they can't be positioning those weapons there. Um, which I don't want right. them there. Don't get me wrong. I don't want Iskander's, you know, 90 miles off of South Florida. Heck no. No. But, but who are we to tell them not to do that? I mean, <laughs> we can't. We can't. And, and you know, this is something I, I reported on back in 2018. Uh, the appearance of or stationing rather is a permanent garrison uh, garrisoning of, of blackjack bombers in the, the, the Russian equivalent to the B-1B. Yep. Uh, they stationed a squadron of them in Caracas, Venezuela. Yep. And I remember that. they. They can be an aerial launch platform for the Iskander. Absolutely. So when when you put this all into perspective, you know, Venezuela has really made some major moves in the past week as well that went completely unnoticed by our media. They they were simply uh, reporting on the fact that Biden called up Venezuela and was like, hey, uh, we need some oil. And Venezuela said, oh, OK, well, guess what? Now we just strengthened our military ties with the Russians that much more. Yep. And now they're calling for an invasion of Colombia the same way uh, under the same auspices that Russia did in Ukraine. So this whole this whole thing, which could have been avoided, this whole war that's been kicked off that we instigated going all the way back to 2014. We, yep. we instigated this. We started this. It could have all been avoided that first move. It would have been a lot smarter to take a more, more pragmatic road on this, but these elites just couldn't have helped themselves. They had to jump in there. Yeah. Especially because Ukraine would, wouldn't qualify for NATO admission for, for, for decades. The, the corruption, which is why the war started because of the corruption um, as as right. suddenly has suddenly been realized that all that crap on Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Irma Gerd, 18 months later, when it's not as important as it was at the time, suddenly it's all real and everybody's dogpiling on to this one. Who knows what kind of fallout that thing's going to have. Um, it's not really going to matter. Everybody knows Biden's a one-term dude. He's never going to stay in office um, for a second, second run. Um, they're going to try to prop up uh, the old bag lady again. Um, cause they just reopened up an arm of the Clinton foundation that funded her previous run. So they just started that thing back up again. So they're setting her up to run. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how slobber Joe handles it. We can't, I, never, I don't think yeah. I, I contend that he's not handling anything right now. I, I think that he, he's just regurgitating whatever he's told to say. And they're they're trying to manage him, uh, but he's he has been a worse disaster for the Democrats than I think any of them could have anticipated. You know, you you had James Carville out there early on that was 
you know, James Carville, longtime political strategist for the Clintons. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter prior to that, uh, political uh, campaign cowboy from Louisiana. And, and was saying, you know, it kind of he had his doubts about Biden early on. And, and now it, it's um, it, it's just got that much worse and it's going to continue to get worse. Uh, with this guy, his mental faculties decline, and I think anybody that supports him uh, in any of this is, quite frankly, delusional um, by any stretch of the imagination. They're, they're, they're just delusional. I think they're just as delusional if they're, they're going to be supporting Clinton, uh, but then again, if they weren't delusional, they wouldn't be left. <laughs> well, it's going to be funny to me is when uh, Harris tries to, uh, to, to try to throw her hat in the ring, and, and the only person, in my opinion— that is that is more incapable of public speaking than Joe Biden is Kamala Harris. Um, if you listen to her try to talk off the cuff, like to get up and give remarks, that she, I question her IQ level, dude. Like, does she live alone, or does, I mean, does she, you know, or does she get dropped off for work? You know what I mean? Like, uh, she can't string a coherent sentence together. Yeah, no, she mean, gets picked up for work. Yeah, she yeah, gets picked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know well that's how she Thank got you. her job it's a little different now yeah <laughs> i mean willie brown tried it's, kind of, it's a scary thing the whole thing is a scary thing you know just like uh just like you know australia's pissed at the solomons for for looking to china you know and now they're signing up uh, you know they're gonna start buying weapons and do a defense deal with with uh, china and looking for protection from them it's yeah. it's that's what I'm saying. But our, the, the U.S. dominance influence of the world because of what's been done really like the last decade in particular. But it's like speeding up, it seems like like we're getting right. It's like being in the Millennium Falcon when he's going to go warp speed. And you see all them lines stretch out like they're supposed to be stars. <laughs> but that's what it feels like. We're in that stage right now. We haven't done that disappear blip bit yet, but <laughs> but it's all speeding up, you know. Right. It's, you know, this is what uh, neoliberal economists would call late stage capitalism, uh, which, you know, they, 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 I could spend all day boring people to death with that. But, um, you know, it it basically, when, when you look at it at the macro level, we're not generating culture anymore. We're not. We're destroying culture. We right. are destroying culture at the moment. We're not generating none. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, everything. This is why um, people look to the 80s. They, they look back to the 1980s, uh, the 80s aesthetic for everything. And I mean, I do that uh, a little bit with Radio Contra uh, with a couple of the, the logos and stuff that we use. Yep. But that's just because oh, yeah. it's cool. But yeah, that. Um, there's a reason that we go to that, that we look to the 1980s rather than the 1990s or, or, or any later than that, because that was the last decade where we actually generated something of cultural value. And we don't do that anymore. Everything now is a regurgitation of whatever was new then. And even in the 1980s, they were doing this. They were uh, reaching back to. So in the 1980s, one of the biggest movies of the 1980s was Back to the Future. And Back to the Future was sort of a, a, the 1980s generation was reaching back, looking back at, at a time when 
culture when they viewed culture, American culture at its prime. And so here you, you've got Michael J. Fox going back to he's in 1985. He's going back to 1955, which was what they looked at as was the the uh, pinnacle of American culture then. So anyway, got cut off there, but essentially what we were talking about in, in a nutshell was that the, the 1980s culture today reaches back to the 1980s because uh, a lot of the people that used the 1980s aesthetic were not alive in the 1980s. And they just look back to that era as that was the last time we actually had culture. That was the last time we actually uh, America actually was great and we produced something and we were a world leader. Um, and then in the 1990s, it kind of all went sideways. And then into the 2000s and the post 9-11 era, you know, world, the world has kind of been gray since then. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, like that, that bad book series, Fifty Shades of Gray, it's, it's kind of where it is because you can justify your position on just about anything these days because, you know, you're able to. These people that make outrageous claims, what they want to do with our kids, what they're doing to education. You look at the university system. You look at culture, and in particular, kind of, I, I compare society today to a bunch of cats. And and the, the powers that be, whoever, whatever you want to call them, they've got a laser pointer. And and all they got to do is wave a damn laser pointer around, and people are going to look at whatever the hell they pointed at. Right. Right. And I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I, I would say social media is one of the causal factors for it. Possibly. Possibly. And, and then again, it, it might be just it, it gives people that are already imbued with a lot of hubris, um, uh, really a, a creative outlet um, that, that they can they can do it. But but, you know, I've long since opined that. Uh, the United States today is one of the most overmedicated and undereducated in the big sense of things populations in the world, if not the most in the world. And this is why you have people like this this nuclear uh, waste disposal regulator guy who thinks yeah. he's a, a woman and a dog. Um you know, and, and th- this is why we have this. This is the reason that we have all of this stuff, because we we don't have we have too much medication. There's too many solutions to everything going around, but none of them are the right solution. And people can just deem themselves whatever they want. But the, the scary part about this, though, and it's something you and I have talked about in the past is sexualization of children and exactly what they're doing with kids, how they are targeting them for grooming. And I know your great state of Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis down there, who is just really at the forefront of of all of this, trying to combat it. I mean, he he is the the primary voice out there. Um, they've really come after him with this whole they, what they call the "Don't Say Gay" bill. It's there, there's nothing in that. I've read it. There's nothing in that about "Don't Say Gay." It's in there telling you, hey, you're not going to preach this stuff to kids under a certain age, prepubescent children. They don't need to be sexualized. And um, well, you yeah, know, that's what, the whole point of the bill. 
It doesn't say anything about sexual orientation in that bill. It simply says you will not discuss sex with children of, under these ages, which only makes sense. Who, who wants their, their kids of that age, third and fourth graders, being taught that in a school? That's supposed to be a parent's job. That, right. The fact that schools even do it is another example of that much more overreach of the government. Of that's not your kid, it's ours. We're going to raise it the way we feel it needs raised. Um, but, but you also know where I stand on this, where, where the, the, the letter people, because I can't keep up with it, keep adding letters to it. I'm just going to call them the alphabet people, but because uh, they'll have all of the letters. Like Dave um, Chappelle. You know, <laughs> they're such a small minority, they're three to four percent of the population. And I know that there's others out there who come out and tell me the numbers are much higher, but they're not. But 97 to 96 percent of the nation is forced to take a knee for three to four percent of the population. That's that's not the way this is supposed to work. Remember when it was always women's rights and equal rights. We just want equal. We want equal rights. We want equal opportunity. We want all that. And then slowly that word morphed into equity. And equity and equal are not the same thing. You know, they're, they're no, two. They, equality they means opportunity. Equity means outcome. And you right. can't guarantee outcome. You know? Exactly. Exactly. That. It began with noble intentions uh, of equality of opportunity, which I don't think anybody in their right mind would stand against. Uh, you know that that's that we live in a free society. It's a cornerstone of what makes America America. But you know, just like with the plain view doctrine, and you know the the uh, going back to Ronald Dworkin. Uh, who is a, a very well-known uh, professor of law and, and legal theory uh, in the Ivy League and has is, is been highly influ influential in, in American jurisprudence and, and really Western jurisprudence, basically coming up with the, the uh, rule of recognition, that it, him and HLA Hart together, that it, we have to be able to recognize these things that are that, that make law what it is in order for law to be lawful, in order for it to, uh, to to be adequate legal theory. And so that that's kind of my perspective on all this. When we sexualize children, this is a common sense doctrine that we should not be doing this. Yes. You know, yep. and, and the, the overwhelming majority of Americans... The overwhelming majority... Now, I, I know that there's going to be some idiot Ivy, Ivy League... Or, or ivory tower dweller rather uh listening to this is gonna say well yeah but like look i understand your argument you need to take a back seat because nothing you have produced from the ivory tower has led us anywhere good uh so take a step back go well, back here's, here's the other side of the coin is what is wrong we're talking about public education here what is wrong with a parent saying I don't want you to teach my child those things. The school should say, okay, we won't. And if you want the school to teach your child those things, if you're one of those people, fine. If that's if you want to screw your kid up, do that. But you should have the choice to say no. And this this thing of you don't have the choice. And right. they're doing it nefariously with secret emails and chat rooms where they say what we talk about here doesn't doesn't you know get spread past this room and they teach the teachers how to look for the right kids to groom them into their special little clubs and to do all this stuff you know all of this is usurping a parent's right um 
Exactly. And, and allowing the state to take over. And part of it is our own fault because for so many decades now, many people of, of lower middle working class and, and the lower class who are struggling to get by looked at school as simply a daycare, man, that they didn't have to pay for. That's all it was. They could, their kid was good. They knew they didn't have to worry about their kid and they could go work and try to make some money, to, you know, to feed that little rascal when he comes home. And so that school was just a daycare. And the schools realized that not many parents are paying particular attention to what's being taught to their kids. And this stuff started to creep in. So then you get parents to stand up and say, we don't want you to do that. And in America in 2022, 2021, the response to that is the Department of Justice will sick the FBI on those parents for simply standing up and saying, I don't want my child taught that in school. Right. I mean, how much more... Orwellian do we need to be? I, I saw a meme on, on something the other day that said, let's make 1984 fiction again. I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's uh, going back to something, a, a point that you brought up regarding the education system. Uh, it's never more apparent to anyone what the education system actually is until you've actually been on the inside of it. And when you understand that uh, intermediate childhood education, which is uh, beginning in middle school through high school, um, that places kids on a track. And so in the public education system, this isn't necessarily true for the private education system because private education is all groomed to the university system. That's the way that it works Uh, in in public education, though, in the public sector, the students are tracked and they're they're given a vocational track. If they are at a certain uh, testing score, essentially, they're given a vocational track and that's what begins their vocational education. And it's viewed as as lesser. And then, of course, you have your your higher performing students and they're put on the academic track that's going to get them. Uh, gear them towards the university system. And this is what it's been doing. And we're seeing a lot of flaws in that, a uh, massive number of flaws in that. And this is one more outgrowth of that system. This is more um, of really the, the corruption of that system. And we're seeing it. Sexualization of kids has went hand in hand with teaching them a number of other controversial topics. And, you know, again, returning to the critics out there that say, well, you know, I'm critical of this. And you people are the same ones that that were arguing against integration of schools and all. No, uh, no, no, not at all. Because if you're talking about equality of education, that's one argument. However, that is a mutually exclusive argument from the one that's being made by the contemporary left of sexualizing children. Yes. And that is exactly what they are doing. Yeah. There, there is absolutely no I, I mean, I'm sorry. We, we've all seen the footage that came out of Austin, Texas, where they had the, the quote unquote, the male performer that was there naked and they had the little kids touching him. Uh, I'm sorry. If, yeah. if you're a parent and, and I'm dead serious. This is something that gets me absolutely uh, blows my mind that if you're a parent and you're OK with this. Why do you have your kids? That that is yeah. one time you'll hear me say that the, the the state should step in and take their kids from them if they allow that. 
because no decent person with any moral standards, and I don't give a damn if you're gay, you're straight, or whatever it is, no decent person, adult, consenting adult, would look at that and say, this is okay, that this is, this is fine, and these kids are going to be decent, productive people. Nobody. Yep. Nobody. Back when, back when I was in school, you were in school, I'm a little older than you, but a, a dude naked in a classroom with children touching him would have went to prison. Right. You know, and, and the thing is, they talk about choice. That's the word they like to use. Choice, choice. It's my choice. It's my choice. It's my choice. It's their choice to make these decisions. And it is 100% their choice. But they're, what they're telling us now is, is, is that it's those people are free to make their choice, but you're not free to make your choice. I can't have a choice no more. I have to accept and, and, and agree and, 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 you know, and the whole thing, fly their flag for them. And that's not the way this works. They're free to do what they choose to do. But you cannot compel me to perform on their behalf. I don't have to use the pronoun you want to use. I can't stop you from using it, but you cannot force me to use it. That's the point. Now you've made me a second class citizen of them because I have to do what they tell me to do or there's repercussions. Right. And And that's. I mean, when, when you look at when you think about it from that level, it's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? That we're coming up with a tiered society here. There right. are the chosen people and there are the unchosen people. Right. And, and that was the larger point that I was making with the the tracked system in the public schools, that it is a manifestation of control. It's a mechanism of control. And, and they throw it in your face uh, because it's easy to control people who are over-medicated. It was the point that Aldous Huxley was making. Uh, one of his observations he was making in Brave New World, while the the, uh, the people in the society took Soma, was because it was a, a, a mechanism of control. That was how society maintained itself, because the people were drugged up all the time. Yep. And, and you look at contemporary American society, our rates of drug addiction— our rates of prescription of SSRIs, our, our uh, incarceration rate for drug convictions. You know, I, I mean, you can go in, in a lot of directions for that. Um, really, in, in all very salient observations that, you know, th- this is a serious problem. It's a serious problem that we have. It's not going to get any better. I think the, the whole... The whole LGBTQ, whatever, you know, stuff now, when it began as as a uh, as something that was adult oriented and we could all recognize that, that, that this is, you know, these are adults. If you're an adult and that, that's your lifestyle. Hey, you, you know, you're an adult. That, that's your lifestyle. Whatever, man. You know, you, you do your thing. But. When it when it became when it, when it crossed that line, as it always does, when it crosses that line into now I'm going to force this will over yes. on you, you become the other when a large the, the vastly overwhelming majority of society in American society does not buy into this and i'm sorry i've seen the other side of the coin when it comes to sociology all of those little surveys that are done when they say you know x percentage of americans support this idea whatever it is 
it was it, it all comes from the general sociological survey which is run by the university of chicago yeah. and if you want to talk about a flawed system of research that is the gold standard when it comes to exactly why social research is in the condition it is in today because that is the crap that they use and i'm not going to bore the listeners with with more details than that just go look into it general sociological survey university of chicago and you will see exactly what i'm talking about if you see how that that survey is actually conducted and the the what they use that for to justify everything else in academia when it comes to liberal arts. Ooh, we, um, you're going to begin to understand why academia is one of the reasons academia is in the shape that it's in. Um, but yeah, it's, it is good though. Kind of, kind of circling back. It is good though, to see finally governor DeSantis with some balls standing up saying, Hey, we ain't putting up with this done deal you know no not not dealing with this and uh you know it, it it's it's nice to see that it's yeah it is but it, it what's what's staggering to see is the the lawsuits that are already being talked about and probably some probably filed i'm sure already against it like school districts that that are going to try to fight this uh that's absurd and it shows a level of depravity to society overall that's that's really really kind of terrifying you know um bread and circuses and then you know and then we we keep going down the rabbit hole like rome did you know um we're almost tracking it identically it really is kind of scary because it's like seen into the future well you know caligula nero uh each one of them if historically we look back at their reigns there's certainly a lot of parallels there um you know and and ironically it was the the goths and the visigoths that Mm -hmm. ended up sacking rome the descendants of those people are the ones that are fighting it out in ukraine and you know that that's kind of bringing us full circle there um now this this last bit here on ukrainian refugees because we're seeing a lot of that come out now oh yes yeah. we've had uh liar emeritus jen saki um getting up there before the media saying there's no such thing as refugee flights and that they're not putting people of course we've got uh video evidence that they absolutely are there was uh the police officer's body cam in, in watertown new york watching them come in and he's asking questions uh, and, and of course, somebody knows if that police officer still has a job or not. I hope that he does, but but he might not. Yeah. Uh, since that came not. out, because the, the you've got these military age males, and he even pointed out in the video, he said, all these guys are military age males. Well, yeah. now, and isn't that, isn't that a funny thing? Because Ukraine would not let males leave. Right. Remember that Donbass, Luhansk won't let them out of their region. And then Ukraine was stopping them at the Polish border saying, nah, 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 nah. You need to stay here and defend home. You're not leaving. Your wife needs to go. You need to stay and fight. So where the hell are we getting military-aged Ukrainian male refugees into this country from? To the tune of 100,000 of them. Yeah. Uh, 100,000 of them. And that's just just the tip of the iceberg. I don't know the exact number of camps. I, I have a contact that I'll be able to get that information from. They're being built right now. I know that for a fact. 
I know that there's going to be at least one in Jacksonville, Florida, and it is presently under construction. Um, and I'll leave that at that. I might be able to get us some more information off of that one here later, but, but they're coming. Just like the Mexicans are being flown into the heartland and, and dumped by the damn plane load. And the, you know, the Afghanis were, and the, you know, whoever the, 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 the refugee du jour of the day is, they're just pouring them into this country and giving them money. And, uh, and I'm sure every one of them being enrolled uh, as a voter in the United States of the Democratic Party, too. So, oh, of course, of you, course, you know, you know except- this is the same thing that, that Lincoln did uh, going back to the, the lead up to the Civil War. And during the Civil War, the, the policies of the Lincoln government were bringing in uh, a lot of the European quote unquote refugees that were coming in uh, that were immediately being enlisted into the Union Army uh, to fight against the the Confederacy. They were all coming in. And and that is typically what you will do. A lot of times in in the Civil War, uh, the American Civil War history, when people like to discuss it, they completely ignore the fact that there were communist revolutions going on all over Europe at the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. That Marx was very, very active during that time, along with all of his contemporaries, and that he, he was actually a columnist for New York Magazine at the time, and, and uh, with, with Lincoln responding to some of the things that he had written. But eh, it's a bit of an aside. It kind of We have to look to the history to see where we are in the present and to bring ourselves into the present, because that is where we are. Um, there's a reason that you bring military-age males in from a place already in conflict. We saw this with Syria. We saw this with Libya. We saw this with, uh, you know, all over the sub-Saharan African uh, continent. We brought people in. The Central American countries that have been rife with conflict for decades now. uh, You know, we've we've got them coming in. And there's absolutely nothing being done to quell that. I, I have absolutely nothing against people that want to come to the United States. I'm a child of immigrants, uh, you know, that, that's that 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 came here, um, you know, it, it, under dire circumstances. But that being said, you know, it, and as most of the people are but that being said, if there's a conscious choice in being brought here because you want to integrate and be part of the larger American experience, that's one thing if you don't want to be a part of that uh and you're coming here basically to to do what they're doing in minneapolis to uh begin sending out a call to prayer every day all over minneapolis that is a thing right now that is all somalis by the way oh yeah all somalis they've completely taken over minneapolis that is an islamic city it's just like dearborn michigan now best of luck with that one and who caused it Oh, yeah, it's, it's obvious who caused it. All, on a note on that, what you're not seeing in the media, and I'm sure you're catching this, is are you seeing some of the convictions from the riots of 2020? Are you seeing some of those sentences being handed down to some of these guys? Oh, yeah. I, I'm surprised they're actually convicting some of these people and sending some of them to prison. Um, because, you know, at the time, it was like a free-for-all for them. Because, you know, they were just using their voice is all they was doing, you know, while they burned and looted and raped and killed and did all the shit they did. Um, But they're finally, finally starting to send a few of them to prison. 
the the ones who colored a little too far outside the lines. Yeah. The ones, you know, they at the risk of putting on a tinfoil hat, I will say that um, it the best way to explain this is to this is going to sound really cheesy, but to go back and watch. I think it was Dark Knight Rises. It, it was the Batman that had Bane in it. Yeah. And how the the uh, the wealthy business guy that was Bruce Wayne's rival in Gotham City or whatever, he hires Bane to cause all the problems, right? And, and then, you know, Bane turns on him. Well, that's neoliberal economics. If, if you look at where Antifa, quote unquote, hit its zenith, New York City, Seattle, Portland. Yeah. When you look at at who that benefited, who did that benefit? And the the activists, quote unquote, the the belligerents in that who got a little too far out of hand, they had to exert their control over them. They can't let them think that they've got too much control over the hand that feeds them. And so that's exactly why they convicted a few of them. They're not going to get them all. They're not going to get them all. But it's just enough. It makes the, because the other thing is too, every one of those DAs that convicted them, they all did it. And they're going to be putting that to the forefront saying, see, look, we're doing something for the people, for the business owners. We're up for reelection. Please vote for us. Same, they're damn well they don't stand for them. Yeah, same reason that uh, Biden stood up in front of cameras the other day and said, COVID no longer runs our lives. And I laughed my ass off and said, yeah, because midterms are coming. Right. It never did to begin with. Exactly. It never mean, controlled my life. It might have controlled theirs. It was right. It was interesting. And, and even Ukraine, you, the point I'm about to make applies to both the riots and Antifa and, and Ukraine, Russia, that kind of thing was the evolution of tactics and things. So like Reed College just put out a statement saying that they took down photos off their social media that showed some of their students engaged in some kind of, uh, you know, a protest or something somewhere because they don't want to endanger them or threaten them. Even though they're out breaking the law and committing crimes, they don't want to endanger them. That's because all these sentences are being handed down. And, and you saw Antifa get to where they started saying, Stop taking photos, stop live streaming, stop taking video and posting it, you know, because that's how we're getting caught. And you're seeing the same sort of little evolution in, in, in Russia of the drones, um, of, you know, Russian soldiers killed on the battlefield being identified within minutes via social uh, Russia social media. Right. And they'll say, this, right. is, this is the guy. You know, it's a little bit of a different world and in that information moves so fast nowadays that it can almost outrun the event that's that's driving the news even. Right. Right. So it's, and, and it's interesting. They, and I think people got to get ahead of it. these things, these tactics. Right. You know, shifting gears just a little bit. Economics, because oh a whole lot's been said here recently. Uh, the past couple of days, you know, we, we started off the show kind of painting the, the world picture, the sit rep, so to speak, of, of uh, the real challenges that the U.S. dollar is going to have in the coming days, the coming months, and, and, and you know, over probably the next year, at least, Minimum. at least, we're going to be faced with some severe economic challenges. 
break it break it down real quick what you're seeing on your end and what you think the the most severe areas of impact are going to be well like here in florida one of the things that 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 I pay particular attention to is the real estate market and it's on fire. Like it never has been before. Um, people are paying absurd amounts of money for places that like I bought my place in 2014. I paid a hundred thousand dollars for it. It's worth 320 grand now. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, the, the market's overheated, but the, the real estate market is just an indicator because that's kind of like your, your last great reserve of where you can invest and not lose your ass. You know, there's really no chance of losing money on real estate. People do it, but they got to try real hard. And, and I know that the market's going to turn when the bond yield um, inverted earlier this week or late last week, whenever that happened, that was a big key to me because last time that happened was 06. And then we had 08 come right behind that. So yep. it's, it's like the canary in the coal mine just died to me. And it's like, it's time to get out of here before, you know, uh, everybody falls over dead. It's, it's just not looking good. There's, there's no good news on the horizon in, in any economic sector anywhere that I've seen. Um, other than the ruble recovered from pre-sanction, pre-war levels, and their stock market is gaining ground again in Russia. So shows you what sanctions can do. Well, the, them repatriating the ruble, I, I said early on, uh, not publicly, but in, in a lot of private conversations I was having with uh, folks, uh, that Russia knew exactly what move the United States was going to make because we've done, it, we've done the same thing every single time. Uh, you know, it's just like boxing. You know, if, if, if you always start out with the right jab, then you ain't going to do you know, a, a left hook right out the gate. It's, it's just not going to, not going to happen. You know, your opponent knows exactly what they're looking for. And so they knew, Oh, okay. The U S is going to come out with economic sanctions. They're going to talk tough, but they're not actually going to put metal in the meat because this, this, that's not their way. That's not what they're going to do because dead Americans on the TV screen will end a presidency and will end public opinion and it'll happen overnight. And so they're not going to commit troops to this. Now that's not to say that we, we haven't put people over there. We haven't put boots on ground. We absolutely did. And that, that ridiculous call for international volunteers, which is a crime, by the way, that is a war crime. Yes, it is. Uh, you, you cannot do that, but we let it go. We let it go because it's a noble cause. Now go fly your Ukrainian flag uh, out there, peasant, because you support the current thing. Uh, but the, the, the whole point is behind all of that is they knew that they were going to do that. Those people that, that ran and flocked to that, they're just cannon fodder. And, and the Russians know that too. And they, that's why they sent their cannon fodder in. I don't think I got it wrong. First, I got it wrong when I said they weren't going to invade. I, I missed that. By I did too, dude. I, I really didn't think he was going to. I really thought, I, I really didn't think he would. I was surprised. Or at yeah. least I thought he would take Don. I think I thought he would move into Donbass and stay there and not go any farther. Right. I did right. not anticipate what he did. Yeah. Yeah. It did. But, but they did. But then I thought, you know, like a lot of Western military pundits thought that, that their aim was to take the whole country of Ukraine. It doesn't really look like to me at this point that was the plan. Um, 
I think that they just stopped. They they called a halt where they were. They they took uh, the parts of the country that that are that have close ethnic and cu- cultural ties to Russia, and that was it. I mean, I, and again, I could be completely wrong about that. My opinion is is worth exactly what you pay for it. Uh, but you know th- that that's just what it looks like. But the bigger picture there, the bigger picture behind it all is the fact that we have. Uh, you know, economic sanctions that we levied on the Russians and, and you know, this, this knee-jerk reaction. There was nothing pragmatic about it at all. It was a safe option politically for everybody involved. And they they know the counter. They yeah. already set up the, the, you know, they, they had set the counter up. They said, all right, you know, we, we know exactly which way they're going to move. We know exactly what they're going to do. And now we know how to counter this. And we are seeing that counter, the beginning of that counter right yep. now. One thing back on the financial side that I, that when you talked about the second, I meant to bring up um, you, you tracking what's happening out of the, the Bingham Canyon, Bingham Canyon copper mine. No. In Utah, largest surface coal mine or surface copper mine. Uh, they are about to go on strike. Ooh. There are major negotiations going on right now. They're trying to keep it all hushy, hushy, quiet, quiet. But uh, it's not looking too good, and there's probably about to be a strike by the workers in that mine in Utah. So copper that's is gonna already be a big deal. Yeah, that's going to be a big deal. Um, not being talked about, but it's happening right now. I know that for a fact because I got a buddy pulling security detail protecting mining executives at the moment. So. Ooh. Yeah. That's well. You know, it's. Uh, and it, it's, it, this is not the time for a strike on a copper mine. I can tell no. you that. No, I mean, you look at like copper is already so, so far up. It's, you know, China's been hoarding it. Everybody's trying to get, get metals and then lithium, you know, two things you cannot make a, an electric vehicle without, you, you can't do it. You, you can't make it without copper and you can't make it without lithium. Um, we at least had a source of copper with the mine. We don't have a source of lithium that China doesn't own, um, except for a little bit in South America, but you're still dealing with the communists down there. So this, it's, it's gonna, I think our economic outlook is getting worse. The, the bird flu pandemic raging across the U S chicken flocks where they're just having to cull entire flocks of birds. Um, I also I also believe in self-fulfilling prophecies when when the talking heads get out there and start talking about food shortages. And now you're even starting to hear about the, the word rationing being thrown into things. Food rationing. Because yeah. it's going to be such such dire uh, food supply issues globally that we're going to have to ration it. Um, right. They're always they're always going to signal and tell you what they're going to do before they do it. Just to get you used to the idea, because like. When COVID hit and they start talking about, well, this is the new normal, folks, new normal, new normal, this is going to be a new normal. And they say it enough. And most people just they hear this constantly, you know, coming in through the holes in their head. New normal. Well, this is just the way life is now. I guess I'm just going to accept it and keep going. You know, paint my ass white, put my head down, graze with the rest of the antelope. Um, and it's a brave new world. Yeah, right, know, yeah. Or, or animal farm. I mean, it, we, we've seen this over and over again in you know, uh, uh, alarmist literature and, and allegorical fiction where they've, they've told us, they, you know, with Animal Farm, 
which was an allegory for the Soviet Union. You know, you, you had the animals on the farm that, that were repeating the same phrases over and over again that made them work. And what that created was cultural hegemony. And then you saw this, this issue of hegemony again was revisited in Brave New World, where everybody was a categorical member of society. They were a categorical member based on class and, and attributes and whatnot. And again, it, it was a maintenance of cultural hegemony. And so we're seeing that again. We're seeing that again. And, it, and we're, we're seeing it in very vibrant terms. Because you've got, you've got Larry Fink out there from, from BlackRock. I mean, BlackRock is telling us that this is what they are going to do. And, it, you, you know, something that was brought up to me uh, last weekend, we're teaching a tracking course up here. Something that was brought up last weekend that, that uh, I didn't personally know or, or was aware of was just so many power plants in this region that are owned by BlackRock. And that is an extremely scary proposition. I mean, I was a, a, a young teenager when Enron was a thing yeah. and went belly up. And so that really wasn't that big of a deal to me i mean i knew it was a big deal but i didn't know why but think about now uh you know blackrock seems like enron on steroids you know they they have their fingers in everything that is quite literally the the economic sector management of the shadow government or or of a shadow government and when you you think about how much exactly how much of the economy and the sectors of economy that they control or or wield influence of I mean, this this should be criminal activity, and yet it's not. And nobody can produce or, or, or point to, rather, anything that BlackRock actually produces, but they can all point to things that they control. And that's a very, very scary situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah, it's it's you make more money when you control the means of production as, a, as opposed to control, you know, owning the means of production. If you can control it, it don't matter who owns it. If you can control it, you can always uh, steer the outcome. And it, it always benefits you, you know. Um, right. And, and people don't understand the level of, of what um, the corporatocracy of this country is capable of. They're, they're getting an idea these days, but it's, uh, it's, it controls their lives in every facet that they can imagine. Right. Literally everything you do is controlled by the corporatocracy. I can't talk today for some reason. But. <laughs> no, no, it's it's it, it, it's fine. It's nothing that a good drink won't won't solve. Uh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I just I just did a quick check on that. So there's uh what was the numbers again? Here it goes. There are 1,300 mine workers. And uh, in Utah about the strike, while at the same time, 22,000 union workers at 29 West Coast ports may also go on strike. Oh, wait, now we're starting to see a pattern. One thing's an anomaly, too, is the beginning of a pattern. And, and what are both of these things doing? One is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a commodity. It's, it's, it's sold on the open market as a commodity. And then the ports. Well, that's what you need to move commodities in and out of a country, don't you? And they're talking about food shortages and food rationing. And when you start looking at all these little things that don't look like they're connected, but if you can be open-minded enough to say, hey, wait a minute, something's up. 
So I wonder who, I wonder what union uh, controls the port. Let's see if we can find that real quick. Because the steel workers are the ones who control the, the uh, copper mine. Longshoremen should should, should be, be uh, should be port should be. But I was going to be surprised if it wasn't going to be uh, uh, SEIU, you know. Well, yeah, and, and I mean they're all they're all tied together. The yeah. mining the mining union. Uh, uh probably not USW. It's long. Uh, it, yeah, it's International Longshore and Warehouse Union. Yep. Yeah. 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 As, as as far as the miners, I, I mean, I'm speaking out of ignorance, but um, of, of the different organizations, they, I doubt that it would be USW. I know USW is big here on the east. It coast. is USW at the mine. That's what I just said. It it's is. Right. Ah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I was I was right. Yep. So yeah. So you yeah, got the USW. You got the USW, and then you got the longshoremen. And, he, and you know those are all of the same ilk. Any anybody who's, who's running a union is a criminal. So, um, there. I, I don't know. I always look for collusion in things like this. Like they, they got to be doing something together when I start seeing stuff like this. Yeah, it's it's not by accident. No, it's certainly not by accident. But you know, it's it's culminating in, in certainly interesting times, brother. Uh, so just closing out the hour, we're we're just over an hour. Um. You know, it, it's always awesome to have you on. I, I don't, I just, our schedules are so busy, man. I don't, I don't get you on enough. Yeah. Uh, just, just trying to get pinned down for a little bit of time. But, man, uh, you know, Chris Weatherman, Angry American, needs absolutely no introduction to probably anybody out there. Uh, best Anybody seven series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Going the author of the Going Home series, uh, you know one of the the foremost authors in the prepping and survival genre, and just a, a jack of literally all trades that I can think of. Uh, what an incredible guy! But brother, uh, any last things before we punch out? Um, well, two points I want to make. I think that the conflict in Ukraine is one of the greatest. Um, Justifications to the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution ever, and likewise, the conflict. Amen. In, the conflict in Ukraine is also the justification, the greatest justification we could ever come up with for what Matt does, and for what I do to a way lesser degree than what Matt does, and what many others out there in the community do, and that's train people, folks. Um, it's easy to go online and find video of Ukrainians lining up to be handed their Kalashnikov and giving a very rudimentary training of a few hours on how to run that weapon to defend their nation. Um, wouldn't it have been nicer if they would have took a little bit of time a year ahead of time and went to some classes and got trained and knew how to do that before game day. Game day is not the day to do this folks. You've got to get prepared now. Training, spend your money on training. Everybody likes to buy the cool shit. Everybody likes to have the cool guy stuff so they can sit in their chair and their, their recliner, watch YouTube videos and rub it. Um, but take it out and get it dirty, put it in the dirt, use your stuff. Um, that's right. Matt's always in the field. I'm in the field quite often. I'm going to do Robin Sage again. That's two weeks in the field. What do you think I'm doing? I'm going to take some extra kit with me that I'm, that I've acquired recently and some stuff I haven't used yet. And I'm going to go see if I can kill it. Uh, if I can't kill it in two weeks out there, it's going to make the cut and I'll sit and I'll keep it. Um, but you, you got to get out and do, we can't just sit behind our computer screens and read this shit or stare at our phones. 
Um, watching a YouTube video is not training. Take a training right. course. And I can't recommend you enough, dude. I love training with you. Like, oh, thanks, man. I, I, had a, I had a guy call me from the radio class today. When I, we yeah. were in the doctor's office, he called me. We were chatting and talking about you uh, a little bit. And, and uh, that's how you meet people and, and you learn and you learn awesome skills. You know, you, you're going to learn skills like you, you're a fountain of information, dude. You really are. Like the scout course when I took it from you one time was fantastic. And I want to do it again. So I really hope we make what we were talking about earlier happen this year. That would that would make yeah. my day, dude. Well, you know, and, and uh, what for the uh, just to, to let the, the audience in, we're hammering out a scout course in Florida, in North Florida. And so we're, we're kind of potentially looking at November to do that. Now, that's hunting season down there. If it doesn't pan out, then it will be in January. One hundred percent. One hundred percent is going to be happening. So, yeah. um you know, it, and I know that sounds like a long ways out, but the demand for training is very high. I am, however, going to be out in Washington coming up at the end of April, early May. The scout course that I have in Washington is full. I want to say it's full. I got to check back with uh, the course host out there, but I'm pretty sure that it is uh, filled up. Um I think we're at capacity. I got to check again uh, to see what that, that course tops out at, but I think that we're at capacity. Uh, the RTO course, though, I do still have a few slots available. So if you want to get your communications training, and I know there's a lot of people in the Pacific Northwest that have expressed a lot of interest in that in the readout region, um, you know, out there, you guys need combo training. Okay. You yes, need you do. Formal communications training to understand how all this stuff works in a tactical or clandestine environment. Hey, Matt, uh, I'm going to send you an article. I'm going to send you an article to read on that very thing uh, about Russia using unsecured uh, comms. In, uh, oh, yeah. There's a very oh, good yeah. article somebody just did about some artillery guys trading information. And for you folks in Washington that take classes from Matt, you better hurry up and take those classes because after 2030, Matt's not going to be able to come to Washington State no more. <laughs> you heard about the bill they just signed, right? Uh, which one? All electric vehicles as, as of 2030. No more gas powered, no more combustion engines in Washington State as of 2030. Oh, man. They oh, just signed to... that in the state. Ooh, that's bad. Isn't it that's like really Eight years? Bad. They think they're going to pull that off in eight years? The, 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 the absurdity, the, the, the level of absolute jackassery to, to come up with something like that um anyway i don't want to cut uh, you off i just want to throw that out there actually because no no you're good you're good wow bit yeah. of depressing news right there but i tell you you know washington state they, they got to fight man they got to fight i mean there's a lot of people that they sit there and they say you know you know vote with your feet and all that but man there's a lot of people up there that can't vote with their feet. Yeah, I mean, you just—it's just not—it's just not, not—it's not practical. No, it's not practical for most people at all. No. You know, you you can't do that. Um, but yeah, man, oh man, but yeah. Anyway, uh, training calendar, rushfeeder.org/slash/training calendar got uh, all the dates up there. Got a mountain of of training. I'm going all the places. Uh, I am going to be up in talking about vehicles and whatnot. I'm going to be up in Michigan as well. Dead center of Michigan. Uh, 
A lot of great Patriots up there. I've got a few spots left in the RTO, advanced RTO, and signals intelligence course up there as well. And I would love to have all of you in that class out in the great state and home of the Motor City up there. A lot of awesome people. And also the, the home of Whitey Morgan in the 78s, which is one of my favorite country music artists out there underground guy played him a whole lot on the podcast in the past but um anyway brother and uh he looks he bears whitey morgan bears a striking resemblance to you yeah uh like you you see him and it's like damn that's that's angry american right there cut from the same cloth man (laughs) cut from the same cloth (laughs) i love it man Well, brother, it has been awesome as it always is. Uh, we don't just don't get to talk to you enough, man. No, we don't. We need to get together some more. I mean, I would love to come up to Michigan. I would come up to Michigan and argue. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, that's what I've called it since forever. Uh, it's Michigan oh, to me, and, and I mean that in the in the the most loving and kind way I can say it to them. You know, that, that, that independent streak some of them have up there still. Oh, I love it. I, man, I, I love it. I mean, you know, as long as you're not talking to people eight states away about doing things you know damn well you ought not be doing. It's, uh, <laughs> like you know, Joe, governor. Joe Dolio about that a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, I mean, you can sit down and swap stories about those kind of messages that you and I both have received about, hey, can you... Uh, no, I can't. Like, no, can you glow any harder than you yeah. are? Glowing yeah. bright, brother. That's it, bro. That's it. Anyway, uh, for this episode of Radio Contra, it has been an absolute blast, man. I, I know I always have a mountain of fun. Definitely, uh, you know, probably everybody listening to this already has the Going Home series. But if in case you don't, go check that out. You can find it pretty much anywhere online. Angry American, Chris Weatherman. Brother, it's always a great time to have you on. Man, we've been trying to do this for a week, and I'm glad we did it, brother. It's always fun to talk with you, man. Until I see you next time, you either, uh, you know, be good or be damn good at it. I'll be both. I know you will. (laughs) (laughs) I know you will. I hope I'm around when it's going down, too. That's right. That's right. All right, brother. Well, to all of you out there, I hope you had as much fun as we did making this, even with the little technical kerfuffle that we had in the middle. God bless all of you. That's right. We'll be having Sons of Liberty tonight live. 2100, definitely be there. And I will be talking to all of you again very, very soon. God bless. This is NC Scout. Out.